Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, I'm Kirsty. And I'm Kelsey. And it's time to hate watch with us. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. It gets so much better when we're not in the same room. It really does. It really does. <laughs> but I miss watching uh, your face. <laughs> watching me, like, put my game face on. <laughs> Open gummy bears. Opening the gummy bears. Taking a moment to get into character. Reading your notes over your shoulder. <laughs> my notes were the best part, weren't they? Uh-huh. Do you feel like you understand more about me as a co-host now? Um, no, because I already knew everything I needed to know about you. Oh, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> Says Kelsey, the girl of mystery. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, speaking of mystery. Speaking of mystery, we've got kind of a grab bag of, like, weird accidents thanks to the internet this week. <laughs> That's a great way to describe both of these things. <laughs> so, our first thing that we're bringing forth is the results of, like, a whim. And it did not turn into what we thought it would be. So we were, we were trying to come up with content ideas, and we were revisiting the board game uh, movie genre, which, yep. if you did not experience board game movies with us, you should go back to the episode where we talk about uh, the Clue movie and Battleship. It's like, Turns out we found the hits of the genre too soon. We did. <laughs> it's kind of a genre that can only do one, as it turns out. <laughs> So there's a lot of material there, and yet there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And and uh, through this through this time, by coincidence, Kelsey also learned that I don't like Scrabble, which was horrifying. It's apparently like a deal breaker, upsetting, disappointing. You remember that I refused to play Words with Friends with you when that was a thing. Yeah. Because Scrabble is the stupidest game. It's a dumb game. I thought you were just against mobile games. That too. I'm categorically against mobile games. You heard it here first, folks. But you had Scrabble in your house this weekend. Yeah, I own Scrabble. It doesn't mean I enjoy Scrabble. Well, then why do you own it if you don't enjoy it? Well, my mom got it for Lauren for Easter. And it's actually a very cool kind of Scrabble because you can, like, hang it up on the wall and everything is magnets. And so it can be, like, Scrabble over time. Except you hate Scrabble. (laughs) Except I hate Scrabble. But it's okay. I'll keep trying to play it, because, like, Lauren likes Scrabble. You'll play it with Lauren, but you won't play it with me? You didn't offer to play it this weekend. Well, because I know you hate it, so I don't want to be like, hey, you want to do something that you really don't like? (laughs) The real problem with Scrabble is that you have to be good at spelling, and you have to be a strategic thinker, and I have neither of those skills. Ha ha. Yeah, it's just really challenging. So, anywho, <laughs> we went on this emotional journey together a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah. And somehow from that decided that we should watch Scrabble content. You started Googling it and just told me there was a movie. I found Scrabble content on the internet. Uh, and it was a Scrabble movie called Rule Number Three. Yep. Yeah. 
which we did not realize until we looked it up, is actually just a 10-minute short. And you can find a rip of it on YouTube. And it is, like, the shoddiest. (laughs) What about it? The quality of the rip or the quality of the storytelling or the content itself? It's just the shoddiest. (laughs) 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 Um, So we're going to talk about that. Yeah. And and that's that's you're going to be really surprised by how much we have to say. Uh-huh. And then the second thing is a bit of TV. I forgot news. we hadn't gotten to the second thing. Yeah, no, we haven't actually started yet. Okay. <laughs> it's just that, that first thing. Yeah, yeah. Just a journey. Uh no, and then the second thing is some TV news because last week Brooklyn 99 got canceled. And then the internet lost its damn mind, so it got uncancelled because NBC needed some good PR. Yep, they did. <laughs> uh, and Kelsey had a lot of feelings about this turn of events. Yeah, and about cord cutters, and about me. Really, this is all millennials. About me. I don't know who to blame, but I'm blaming everyone. <laughs> so we're gonna get into that. Yeah, that's what we're doing here today. Okay. okay, so buckle up. Rule number three. <laughs> so, can I start by reading you the synopsis on IMDb? I thought you were gonna read us our exchange when I was watching it. <laughs> no, I'll let you do that one. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> yes, it'll be like our read- Twitter feed, but in real life. Read me the synopsis. Okay. Uh, Rule number three is a comedy in which a young couple communicate through a game of Scrabble. (laughs) Matt and Rachel enjoy a quiet Sunday evening in the pub, deciding to pass the time by playing the world-famous board game. The opening exchanges express mutual affection, but after Matt's eyes wander away from Rachel's loving gaze and toward the figure of a barmaid, things take a turn for the worse. Stubbornly refusing to talk to each other, the couple continue to converse through the words on the board, and as the game gradually descends into a surreal slinging match, the young couple are guided towards a life-changing revelation. The letters will reveal all. (laughs) Yeah, they will. (laughs) I kind of want to get that tattooed on my body. (laughs) Right after trust in the universe and yourself. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We should start a collection of, like, hey, watch those inspirational posters. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this movie. So as the resident Scrabble fan, yeah. talk to me about your viewing of this movie. Uh... <laughs> My biggest gripe is that it's not realistic to play in the game of Scrabble. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, first of all, they play Scrabble in a bar that looks like a living room, as if that's a normal environment. I was confused by that, too. Yeah. Especially because, like, the bar itself is in another it looks like a house it's just weird it's almost like a a weird bed and breakfast or something yeah uh 
also, though, they just happen to have the letters that they need <laughs> to create meaning through the Scrabble board. <laughs> and that's not realistic. No one got a blank space. Oh, that would have been some good storytelling. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah they uh-huh. did. He did get a blank space. They did. Because that's how he'd let her know that he was shocked. Yeah, they didn't deploy it well, though. No one had a Z or, like, 17 vowels and no consonants. (laughs) Yep. These things happen. The last time Lauren and I played, I literally had, like, three O's and, like, nothing else, basically. (laughs) Right, so what could she have spelled out? Like, that's it? Yeah, basically. (laughs) Like, ovary... <laughs> Spoiler it's alert. Just very convenient storytelling, if you ask me. Yeah. Like, I thought Battleship was really on the nose, but this was way more on the nose. <laughs> In what way? Well, like, they took it so literally, and they used it so literally. <laughs> Like, at least Battleship went to the effort of saying, like, the ocean has a grid-like structure of things, and now we're going to do... Like, they had some creativity there. I miss those days of Battleship. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when we hadn't exploited all the board game movies? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. Um, what we haven't explained yet, though, about this movie is that it's a silentish movie? Except for the, like, five random lines of dialogue that have no context. Yeah. There's, like, this old drunk man wandering around the pub, and he talks sometimes. But I couldn't really understand him because the quality of it was bad. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't understand anything either. There was also, like, a huge lag. Yeah. It's it's not the best. <laughs> yeah, don't watch film shorts on YouTube. But I have some questions, because both of the people in this are, like, legitimately people who have been in big movies, like, quite a few times. Yeah, I know. Like, how and why did I, this happen? I haven't been able to really find, like, a history. <laughs> you haven't been able to find a history of the 12-minute <laughs> Scrabble short? It's weird. Well, there's got to be, like, a bio somewhere. I mean, it it was, like, directed by someone. You know? Like... <laughs> Weirdly enough. Like... Someone, someone wrote made, this shit. Someone made an in- intentional choice to create this content. So, like, there's got to be a story. It kind of struck me like it was a bad college film project. But it was clearly done... After these people were famous. Yeah. I know. That's why I'm confused. Where's the director? Scroll up. Hold on. Tom Ludlam. Ludlam? Sounds like a college student. (laughs) Sounds like a college student. He directed... Nope. He was miscellaneous crew on Ready Player One... Everest, oh, no. The World's End, and X-Men First Class. Oh, no. So. <laughs> There's that. He He's done a bunch of, like, hardcore middling on various crews. <laughs> really speaks to the nature of this film. 
Yeah. My best guess would be that he was trying to get out of miscellaneous crew and decided to do so with, like, a, uh, like, festival, probably. Yeah. And, and this was the best he could do. He, <laughs> he should stay in the middle where he, he belongs. He should just keep middling. He's very good at miscellaneous crew. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you want to tell our friends who are listening <laughs> the storyline of this movie? Yeah. <laughs> so. The words that get played? Yeah. I wish I had written them all down because some of them were zingers. They were. I have sick burn Fergus written down <laughs> once. Um, so it's a couple. They're in a bar and they're playing the Scrabble. And... I think she, he goes first, and he plays the word amorous, because they're, mm-hmm. like, in love with each other. Yeah. And then she starts to play the word loving, but then she catches him creepily making eyes at a waitress. Yeah. Who, like, this whole section where the waitress is, like, sexy walking out to the table. <laughs> I was like, is this the opening to a porn? <laughs> I was really concerned for a second that I that YouTube tricked me into watching porn. It was like a whole quarter of the movie. It was. Well, and this is where we're introduced to, like, the random drunk guy because she walks past him first and, and yep. he gets all up in the action. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the boyfriend's looking at the waitress and... The girlfriend is, like, trying to play the word loving, and then she gets mad at him, so she plays oogling instead. Yep. To make a point. And then his friend Edmund calls, and she's, like, looking at the phone, like, oh, Edmund. But he doesn't answer Edmund. And then he plays a word. Do you remember what word he played? I can't remember what he played. Uh, no. Well... Within the next exchange or two, he plays the word period. Yeah. No no idea why. Don't know where that came from. It's because they're fighting. Well, yeah, so that was what I assumed. I was like, are you just being sexist? Yeah, because she's... There's, like, toilet humor that happens. Oh, yeah, she plays the word rectum. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think she was trying to call him an asshole, but, you know, it's Scrabble, so... <laughs> So that's what she did. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So then he did that and uh, she like pauses for a real long time and then she plays the word late. Yep. <laughs> and just then the drunk guy comes over. He does. And that's when we get dialogue. Inexplicably. Inexplicably. And I have no idea what he said. No. Um, but the guy, the boyfriend, kind of, like, tweaks and, like, makes the guy go away. And the drunk guy, like, clearly realizes that something awkward is happening. Yeah. And so then the boyfriend goes outside and smokes for a little while. And the girlfriend sits inside and looks tortured for a little while. Yeah. And the camera zooms in on him playing the word shocked. <laughs> with the blank space. <laughs> the blank, with the, the blank letter. And then... We decide to have a conversation about abortion via Scrabble. 
<laughs> like you do. Like you do. So he plays the word <laughs> cease. Yeah. Which, like, certainly there could have been a, a better one. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, cease and desist letter for your pregnancy. <laughs> Well, you don't get always get the letters that you want. <laughs> that was them trying to attempt realism, Kelsey. I know. And so she responds, keep. Yeah. And then he gets real, real mad. Yeah. And then he, he plays the word mine. And on her thing, she has Edmund spelled out. Who the fuck is Edmund? We don't know. It's the guy who called. Who called when? Oh my god, I already said this in my recap. Oh, I missed it. Edmund calls very early in the game, and she looks at the phone, and she's like, oh, Edmund. (laughs) But he doesn't pick up Edmund's call. (laughs) You don't need to listen to everything. I guess. No, because it's only the giant reveal. Obviously, I missed it. The letters revealed all. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't even care. The ship flags weren't obvious enough. (laughs) They hadn't raised the ship flags. (laughs) Um, And then then does it just end with, with Edmund? No, it ends with, well, then it ends with rule number three. Oh, so I missed this whole part. (laughs) (laughs) I have to lower my ship flag now in shame. (laughs) We did well. Um, It ends because she doesn't play Edmund because rule number three is that you can't play proper nouns. Oh, I do remember that part. Yeah. Right. Oh shit, son. Oh, man. Does she play something instead, or does it just end? No, it just it ends. It just ends. Although he's gotta know it's not his, because it took her ten fucking years before she realized she couldn't play a proper noun. Right. Not to mention she has, like, no, probably, in her fucking things. <laughs> oh, that would be really funny. Although that would not be a good score. They weren't playing for points. No one was writing down scores. They might have been. You don't know. I didn't see it. You don't know. I mean... (laughs) I feel like there's a lot of context we were missing in this 11 minute. Yeah, like... Like the whole plot? (laughs) Maybe? The plot was that you can't play proper nouns, (laughs) Kirstie. I just, like, don't understand... So, the first time I read this synopsis when I first found this film a couple weeks ago, for some reason, I my understanding of it was that they were going to be, like, flirting. Yeah. And that they were going to, like, fall in love by the Scrabble. I did not think it was going to go to this place. But instead, we start with a disgruntled couple, and we end with a fetus. <laughs> Weird how that happened. I just am not 100% sure why that was the particular story that Scrabble needed to tell. (laughs) I mean, I for one wish it was feature length. (laughs) You know what's funny about it is 
I it was a long time between finding this and realizing that it was not feature length. Mm-hmm. And I really thought it was gonna be just like an hour and a half of these folks playing Scrabble. Oh no. <laughs> Oh no, that would be. That's tough. why I thought that it was gonna be like a romance. Like they'd like play the Scrabble, and then they'd have to like part ways, and then they'd have to like use the Scrabble again somehow. I don't know. It would be cute. Yeah, there's a lot of crafts with Scrabble tiles that they could have played off of. Sure, could have had some gestures. Would have been fine, but no. <laughs> but no, I was thinking. What if the sexy Latin lover narrator had access to Scrabble tiles? Oh my god, that would be amazing. Right? Like, that's the only execution I want to see. <laughs> I think if they wanted to cut the gist of this movie into, like, the idea and plant it into, like, the three Villanueva women fighting <laughs> with each other through Scrabble tiles, that would be fucking hilarious. There you go. That could be That's a good an one. execution I would like to see. It's, you know, the idea of communicating through a silent game of Scrabble is not the worst. No, and I like, I kind of like it angry. Yeah. Like, it worked. Except. But. <laughs> for the environment that was built in this particular Scrabble game. <laughs> yeah, this was, this got weird. These were not the stakes I was expecting. No. You know what I think the real turning point was? What? Was, like, him angrily playing the word period. (laughs) Like, that just felt so out of left field. You didn't see that coming? No. No. And then her getting her revenge on him by being like, guess what, bitch? I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) It really escalated quite quickly. sick burn. Although, men of the world... Let this be a lesson to you, that anytime you ask a woman if she's on her period, this is what you're at risk for. (laughs) Yeah, surprise. Surprise pregnancies. Oh, oh man. (laughs) So, Scrabble. Scrabble. It took us uh, 15 minutes to describe a 10-minute short. That's about right. You know what? If you've got nothing else to do on YouTube, you should watch it. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> We've totally spoiled it for you, but you know. But you should still just watch it. There's like, I don't know, I feel like depending on the particular film and or media production class, I would put it on a syllabus. You think? I feel like there's some stuff there to to talk about. I mean, I've seen better shorts at the beginning of like a Pixar movie, but... Well, I didn't say it was a high quality short. I said there was stuff to talk about. Oh, okay. (laughs) Like narrative devices? Like narrative devices. (laughs) Like, I feel like he thought he was going for symbolism somehow. But he spelled it out a little too much? Well, yeah. (laughs) I don't, like, I in my brain, I just keep hitting the stopping point when I get to the rule number three part. Where it's like, but why? And I can't even articulate what I mean but by but why. It's just like in my brain, I'm like going down the road of the narrative yeah. devices. And then it's like rule number three. Stop. Because conversation over. The conversation overed quickly, though. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it did. 
Uh, I don't know. It's supposed to leave you wondering. Well, it sure did. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, they both seem like very nice, happy people. (laughs) (laughs) They seem very well adjusted, and I think things will work out well for them. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we lower the ship flags on this one? Yeah. Scrabble, guys. Hoist up the new ship flags of the next topic. I'm not ready to let this joke die. I know, me neither. It was too good. It's too funny. (laughs) Guys, remember that time when Kelsey didn't know what sales were called? I was telling Danny that story tonight, and I almost had the same thing happen to me again, and I was like, they had the mess, and... (laughs) Okay, so I had this really dumb moment where I was trying to talk about the ship flags, you know? (laughs) It's like almost how it went down. It came to me at the last minute. Oh, Oh, what's beautiful about it is that I know that exact feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Ship flags as a side. Do you want to talk about other feelings? Yes. A lot of them, the multitude of feelings that we went through in an emotional roller coaster last week. It was an emotional roller coaster. It was like two days of just everyone having the feels. Yeah. Well, more than that, yeah. really, because it started before Fox even made the official announcement. It was like a panic campaign all of a sudden. Yeah. We're talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, we've moved on, friends. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> the topic of this segment is... <laughs> um, yeah, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine was on the bubble. There have been, like, rumors of this for weeks now. Like, people have been afraid of it for weeks. But it definitely it wasn't getting as much of the outcry as other shows have when they've been on the bubble. Yeah. Until. Until. Until Fox officially made the cut, and then Twitter lost its goddamn mind. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like floodgates. Yes. And then, lo and behold, (laughs) NBC swooped in and picked it up. Yes. Which, Trying to, like, change some weird juju about how they didn't pick it up in the first place. Yeah, exactly. So it seemed like a far more heroic and bold move when it was first announced. Until you go on to learn that they had passed it up originally, and NBC Universal already produces it. Well, and they have a like, ongoing relationship with Mike Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, they now have a a block of three Mike Sure shows. And they had Parks and Rec and they had The Office. Right. Right. So. <laughs> I think they just at some point were like, fuck it, he's ours now. If they're going to give me, like, the Sure Pantheon, I'm not opposed. Yeah. It's, it's the canon I need, I think. Yeah. So yeah, so NBC has picked it back up, and then Twitter lost its mind again, and still hasn't really gotten over it. No. I I don't think the internet has fully gotten over the betrayal of having it canceled in the first place. But um, I haven't gotten over the betrayal of everyone on the internet. 
<laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> and keep in mind, folks, she's really talking about me. <laughs> I have layered thoughts. Yeah. And this is a bigger discussion, I guess. <laughs> I, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just a very good example of this, but it's not an exception to the norm. Yeah. But it seems that the way that we consume content across the board right now, because it's so fragmented and so, like, on-demand-based, and I mean that in terms of, like, streaming and actual on-demand, um, it's creating fans who are have no urgency, like, no sense of urgency to keep up with something. And Ain't that the truth? Maybe are, you know, four seasons behind at any given time. So a lot of people, obviously, like, as a show's on longer, there's more time <laughs> for it to, like, get on streaming and get more people to catch on to it. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine is an example of, like, a show that has a fairly strong fan base, obviously. Yeah. But a f it's a fan base that didn't really tune in to the show <laughs> in a measurable way uh, in terms of, like, recent episodes. So they may be streaming, you know, back seasons and backlogging and stuff, and maybe they're... I think it's a show that's very easy to... Um, let sit on the back burner because it, it there's no reason to keep up with it. It's not something that's driving a lot of like in person slash online conversation. It's right. not like a Game of Thrones situation. Right. It's really easy to say like I'll catch up with this eventually and assume it's going to be on. <laughs> and so people were outraged because they canceled it, but they hadn't put in any effort to <laughs> keep up with it or show basically assigned to the network that they were invested. <laughs> and right. that is where my right. my problem lies. <laughs> yeah, and it's tough, too, because it's definitely not the only show where, like, it's super easy to conflate a loud audience with a viewing audience. <laughs> right, right. And I think, like, we talked about this a lot, but it's not people's fault, <laughs> That that's the way that we're watching TV now. Right. But it's also not Fox's fault for canceling it. Because from a business standpoint, why are you going to put like money into something that may or may not see the return on investment maybe like four years from now when people get around to watching it? Right. Like you need the immediacy of like the ad revenue. You need to be able to sell something to someone. <laughs> And if they like can't not do just that, creating the content to sit on a shelf so that someone can have fun later. Right. Like a TV museum. Right. Although I would love a TV museum. Or like a TV library. Right. Right. Because isn't that essentially the whole business model with books is like, we're going to write and publish the content and eventually someone's going to consume it? To some extent, yeah. Yeah. I mean, books don't live off of ad, ad revenue the way television does. So I, I understand it's not analogous. But what if we lived in a world where it was? Oh, boy. <laughs> well, it's part of the thing, right? Like, we talked about the way that shows that ratings happen right now is not necessarily a fair representation of the 
viewing body, but the viewing body complaining that the show got canceled on Twitter is not a great way to show representation that they are actually committed and aren't just saying, like, I'm going to maybe watch this someday. Right. (laughs) It's like a vicious battle. And I don't know who's right, but I know that I may be right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's tough because I... If the delivery model isn't reaching your audience, then, like, it doesn't matter how many other good shows you put out. Like, the the fundamental flaw is still in the delivery model. Like, that's why people are falling behind on shows and don't feel the sense of urgency to stay up to date. Because I think, like, in general, the trend is moving towards, like, being able to watch content on demand on your own time when you get around to it. And there's just too much fucking television. But it's not the delivery model, then. Because you could go on Hulu and stream the latest episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but you didn't. I'm using you as an example. <laughs> right. No, that is that is my issue. I can raise my hand. I'm, like, halfway through this season, but then I fell behind and never got back to it, because life is just full of struggle. See? Okay, delivery model was the wrong word, then. Um, Like, metrics, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how you encompass it, because it is, like, a multi-tiered issue, where, like, audiences are getting smaller because of barriers to access, whether that be, like, time, energy, dedication, sense of urgency, like, whatever. Whatever's going on in people's lives that keeps them from, like, sitting down at a scheduled time to watch a show. Right. I mean, like, for me personally, and it may be totally fruitless and worthless, If there's something that I really, really like, I try to be a live plus seven on a trackable, recordable, measurable system. (laughs) (laughs) So if I'm on demand, Comcast can report back and say this, you know, X number of people watched in a live plus seven or a live plus three, whatever. Yeah. If I don't get to watch it live. And sometimes I do. I do try to watch some things live, but less than I did previously. But... Like, if we knew Brooklyn Nine-Nine was on the chopping block, why didn't we all just start streaming it and watching it on demand and catching up and show support that way? Because it's so much faster to just fire off a tweet. But it's less effective. (laughs) You know, like, a show takes 22 minutes, a tweet takes 22 seconds. So that shows that you're not committed to the content. So then NBC in theory, bought content that isn't going to pay off for them because people are still going to be behind and they're still not going to put in the effort to watch it. Right. Although some people have argued on the internet that, um, like, for future seasons, like, being on the cusp of cancellation could be a motivating factor for the future season, if that makes sense. So, like... It does make sense. You know, it's, like, almost like retroactive nostalgia. (laughs) For the thing right. that didn't actually go away, right? Yeah, I don't. It. I don't know. I don't think there's like a proper answer for it. I think television is too hard. Well, for like a lack of better name for it, like lazy viewing doesn't breed like good content necessarily, right? Which is a problem. <laughs> Because a, a lot more people, a lot more people are becoming lazy viewers. Like I'm, be, I've become a lazy viewer, 
And yeah, I'm the laziest. There's no business reason why the network should really support the interests of those people. I guess that's the part that, like, feels twisted to me, is that, like, in theory, and I understand that this is not backed by the business model, but in theory, the point of content creation is for the entertainment of the viewer. And so, like, setting up a a system of consumption where the viewer has to, like, prove, essentially, that they deserve the good content by putting in the hours to watch it on the schedule that the content creator decides you have to put in the hours to watch, just, like, does not feel like it matches the theoretical goal of, like, creating art and entertainment for the masses. Yeah, I think, I think the best solution, and I don't think it's become a solution necessarily because of this, but who knows, has been (laughs) the rise of, like, shows saying, this is my end date. Yeah. We're going to have five seasons of X show. Yeah. And, you know, The Americans is doing that, right? And we knew two seasons ago that it was ending this year. Yeah. So now it's, like, a finite thing People can kind of watch it when they watch it, but it's not something that FX is like, we don't know how many years we're going to commit to paying for this show. Right. Which maybe is the solution? That to me felt like where I wanted Brooklyn Nine-Nine to be when when this was all swirling before the news broke. Because, like, I mean, I said it to you in the Slack. I was like, is it bad that, like, I don't think I would be heartbroken if it ended the season. And then when push came to shove, I was heartbroken. I didn't want it to end. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I was holding on to this expectation that they would approve them for a final season. Because that has been somewhat of a trend recently. Yeah. Like, okay, we know that you're starting to slip in the ratings, but, you know, we feel like we owe it to the fan base and to the show itself to, like, get to be brought in for landing. Yeah. And that, to me, feels like a reasonable expectation. Like, shows have to end eventually. I'm not against cancellation, but I am against cancellation without warning. Mm-hmm. And especially, like, for me as a viewer, it is motivating to know that, like, a final season's coming. Well, to be clear, you're not always against cancellation without warning. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that is I think, like, shows true. with longevity being canceled without warning. Yes. Yeah. And it's like an established show with an established fan base. Sure. Yeah, I that was just the expectation that I had. So it was disappointing that they came out and were like, good riddance. And yeah. even moving over to NBC, I would take great comfort in hearing from NBC, like, we're only taking them on for one or two seasons. Because I also hate watching shows that I don't know are coming in for landing eventually. And that yeah. is part of why I start to taper off as a viewer. Like, if I start to feel like a show is maybe slipping or becoming aimless, and I have no idea if it's headed towards anything, because I don't know when it's ending, then yeah. in my mind, it's going to become late season scrubs, and the whole entire world should just burn at that point. Yeah. Well, like, I, I was, when we were talking about, like, what shows will get canceled, one that was, like, on my radar that I didn't even know had been renewed already, in theory, was Bob's Burgers, because it's mm-hmm. the same thing. Like, no one 
I don't think is really watching it live. Well, and certainly no one really talks about it. It's like a show that everyone just like quietly watches. But it's having a really great season, yeah. like really late in its run. And it's unfortunate that it's some it's like one of those catch-up shows that like maybe you get to it eventually. I'm also about halfway through that season. Yeah, it's so fun. It's just like a really strong season and it would be unfortunate if that was another one that got like left behind. Yeah. Well, and it is sad, like, how many shows are getting left behind in a time of peak TV where, like, there is just too much television and people's attention spans are, like, split in too many different directions. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at, just because I'm a nerd, I was just looking at at social conversation around Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. And... The blips of conversation are almost zero until the moment where it it was on the chopping block. Mm, And then it, like, spiked. Like, you see 5,000, 6,000 tweets peaking on, like, a what I would imagine is a a show night, and then 295,000. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, the... Yeah. I don't blame... Fox, if you're looking at numbers like that. Yeah. But, like, you know? I just, I wish there there was, like, an easy or obvious way for the industry to, like, tap into that energy. Do you want to talk about your idea? It was pretty ill-formed. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. It's different. It was essentially that idea, like, how can you look at the amount of drama on Twitter and the amount of energy in the fan base just based on the cultural conversation and translate that into a metric that could at least inform ratings. Mm-hmm. You, like, I, I'm not even convinced it has to replace ratings because I understand that at the end of the day, you have to know exactly how many eyeballs you're selling to your advertisers but if there was just a way to build like a like more holistic view of what the show is accomplishing for your network so that i don't know if there's like other goals you have around PR or if it somehow involves or informs future show development or like whatever i don't know like i feel like there could be a tool in there to somehow harness like the hopes and dreams of the fan base, even if the fan base is having a really hard time staying current. Yeah. Even if it's like, we're going to close this Mike Sure show, but bring you another one that you're going to like. Right. Well, and if you think about what a lot of people were saying about their, in their grief um, over Brooklyn Nine-Nine being canceled, it wasn't necessarily like, what Brooklyn Nine-Nine is doing episode to episode at this exact moment in time is incredible. It was right. like everything the show does and stands for is incredible. And to me, there's a huge lesson to be learned that you could translate to future shows and still say, like, it's time to sunset Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, for sure. Like, you can do both. And I'm not convinced that I see networks doing both. Yeah, yeah. Especially since Fox is bringing back that Tim Allen show, which is literally the opposite of what people like about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> In every conceivable way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you can go the opposite way, 
and be like AMC and just shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> like all of their prestige shows closed around the same same time, and then they were like, yep. "Well, oh, people like more prestige, so they gave us like fake prestige, and then they gave us zombies." Yep. <laughs> and then they doubled or tripled you know, down on zombies. It was like a real life choice. They're going through a spiritual journey right now. They really haven't recovered, although I haven't gotten back on the halt and catch fire horse yet. But that's another one, right? Maybe I should have watched that the whole time. But I didn't. I don't know. It's going to take a lot more than just (laughs) Catherine Van Arendonk writing about it to convince me that I can deal with the men (laughs) of that show. (laughs) And I find her pretty damn convincing. She might be willing to write you a narrative about that. (laughs) A small thesis. (laughs) I would watch it if I got a personal essay out of it. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough out there for content. My feeling is, if you like a show, try to put in the effort to show it. (laughs) I feel like, though, that's also... A lot to ask from an audience that is not necessarily well-versed in the business. Like, do you really, or the general you, not you, but like, do networks in the world expect the layperson of television to, you know, be looking at their calendar and saying, okay, I really don't want Brooklyn Nine-Nine to get canceled in three months, so I need to make sure that I'm alive plus seven, so let me just pencil this into my calendar so that I'm part of the rating system. You know, like... I, I sure, feel like the but industry like, needs to be more flexible for the fact that people don't necessarily know how the industry is measuring. That's f- fair. I, because I'm a psycho sometimes, like, <laughs> have a hard time understanding that people wouldn't want to, like, experience new content the second it's available to them. I mean, I think plenty of people have the desire to, but... That doesn't necessarily translate into the ability or the will. I suppose. I mean, I would have loved to have stayed caught up with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I felt really good about it for the couple months when it first came back this season that I was able to. But then, so I fell off right around the time that I was moving. In fact, the last time I watched an episode, I was packing. And then it was like, oh, I'm moving and pregnant and everything's happening and oh my god (laughs) you know sure it's like and then it's hard to get back to those things i mean it's hard when you don't have a tv set up well that is hardly the problem (laughs) (laughs) guys i finally got kirstie a tv set up this weekend i would like to specify that it was eurovision that got it set up I did not it was do me this coming to give in there. to your demands. You told me if I went, you would have it set up for sure. I told you that and it was And then I was Eurovision. the one who plugged it in. You did physically do it, but I did not ask you to do that. No, I know. <laughs> you did that as part of your party planning. Mm-hmm. But there was the only... Because it, you have to stream it off of YouTube, the only device in my house that can actually do that is a phone, because my computer is too slow to stream it off of a computer. And well, so, and nobody likes to sit around a computer screen together. 
well, even if you hadn't come up, I was going to have to do it on a TV. It's Eurovision. <laughs> Can't watch Eurovision on a phone. I'm not going to hold my phone up for six hours. I mean, I hope you don't watch anything on a phone. I watch plenty of things on my phone. We're not going to get into that right now because I'm going to get upset. <laughs> you want to really spike your blood pressure. I've watched episodes of Outlander on my phone before. Get out of this podcast! <laughs> <laughs> it's like such an oddly specific, like, sick burn somehow. <laughs> it makes me so upset! Like, I love that I could just trigger you with the... <laughs> But yeah, I've watched plenty of shit on my phone. Come at me. All right. All right. But, okay, so here's the thing. You're okay. over here as, like, a TV purist, and this is the thing we've discussed at length on this podcast, because you're all like, yep. oh, you should only watch things on TVs, because TVs are, like, mer. Yep. So, what about, though, as you're sitting here making this argument that people should be, like, trying to access content, particularly in the Live Plus 7 window... So that content creators know their show is valued, which is more important to you, watching it on a TV or watching it however you can get to it, which may mean your phone. I think those are two different questions. Or they, like, aren't related. I think in the case They of are related, though, because it's still accessing content, which at the end of the day should be the primary goal of all of it, right? Sure. To, to show your loyalty to the show or whatever you want to call it, watching it on a, like, sanctioned streaming platform, whatever, <laughs> on whatever device you want to use is the way to go. I think it's a different conversation of, like, what you value, like, from a content standpoint, if you feel like you want to watch it, like, on a big screen or on a tiny screen. But I think you can get the same things out of it. Like, just because some people are going to access it on your phone, I don't think that has to impact the quality or overall execution of the show. Like, how many shows are out there where the creators are going to be like, okay, shoot this really shitty because people are going to be watching it on their phone so nothing matters? That's It's more the opposite. They shoot it to be cinematic and they put a lot of money into making it look really, really good for your big TVs. So why would you waste all that on a tiny screen because you can watch it on other screens too like i don't only watch on my phone and i've watched repeat episodes on both my phone and my tv because you can watch episodes more than once well yeah but don't you want to experience it the way it was meant to be experienced meaning is created by the audience kelsey <laughs> you get out of here <laughs> With that media criticism <laughs> trash talk. It doesn't matter what was intended with the art form. All meaning is constructed by the audience. I just think that Ronald Moore and other people who make TV would be upset to find people watching their content on tiny screens with shitty audio quality. See, I think if you were still getting something out of the content... They would maybe want you to experience it on a better platform so that you can appreciate, like, more of the details of the art. But if you're still getting the spirit of the content and the message of the content, like, if you're still experiencing the love that Jamie and Claire share, then I, that's, like, 
they're still getting the narrative across. Yeah, but that's like, do you want to eat a dry piece of cake or do you want cake with frosting on it? I mean, I feel like there would be, like, authors out there who would be incensed that you consume most of your book content by audiobook. That's different. I don't think it is. It's different. It's just a different platform. It's not a visual medium. No, but there's still experiential value. I don't agree with that example. It's just because this is inconvenient for you and forcing I you think to that, explore your own biases. No, I think that filmmakers would be upset if you watch a movie on your home television as opposed to in the theater. Well, then they would be dumbasses who don't understand their own industry because no movie stays in a theater in perpetuity. But like, then that's they not can just the like ideal, fuck right that's off. That's not the ideal viewing situation. But who's out there making the argument that their content should only be consumed in the ideal situation? Then content would never be consumed. I consume plenty of content, damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying in general, if everybody had to wait until the ideal circumstance, then, like, you wouldn't be able to listen to music half the time because, like, car speakers are certainly not, like, the ideal listening experience for most types of music. God knows the CD never would have been a format. Oh, boy. (laughs) Audiophiles out there, am I right? Oh, boy. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. If you appreciate watching television, (laughs) actual television, you can find me at my personal Twitter account. I was trying to figure out how to even come back to where the point was, because, man, we went on a journey. Yeah. It was good and important. We didn't get anywhere. We just fought. I I think it's okay to be on different sides of this, because ultimately it's representative of the landscape, and this is what the industry has to grapple with right now. You're right. Yeah. That was very diplomatic. We're, like, ground zero for this shit. (laughs) Oh, no. One day in our dystopia, we'll be sorted into those who watch television on televisions and those who watch television on mobile devices. (laughs) The war between the two great factions. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. If you have thoughts or feelings about media production, the platform's... (laughs) <laughs> that we should be using to consume media. Or, like, I don't know what television is good, I guess. Or Scrabble. Or Scrabble. Oh, we talked about Scrabble tonight, too. We did. <laughs> wow, what a wild ride this episode was. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Hate Watch With Us. Or you can send us your manifesto by email, hatewatchthis at gmail.com. Uh. <laughs> you can also find our friends at Thought Bubble Audio uh, across the internet at Thought Bubble FM on Twitter. They have a lot of shows. They have beers, Beer with Geeks. They have Academy Rewind. They have um, other shows. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of other ones. And they all fight decidedly less than we do. <laughs> 
<laughs> you need a calmer environment, go over there. <laughs> You're not trying to go on an emotional journey about content. Go there. <laughs> They'll be the counterweights. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> uh, all right. Well, that's it. That's it. So, yeah. Um, thanks for listening. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Hoist <laughs> up those ship flags. Set sail <laughs> for the next episode. <laughs> I'm getting off board. <laughs> All a not board. I, there's not a good way to turn that into a negative, huh? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we never said goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only have so much time to care about fire safety.